Hello, and welcome to NANCAST. I'm Jill, your host. We all know it. Working in the NICU is stressful. And then, add on top of that, trying to balance work and life. We are often left feeling burnt out, and our wellness is not a focus. How can we choose wellness and add it into our lives? How can we build healthy habits to cultivate a culture of wellness? Some of you who attended the NAN conference in Vegas may remember Dr. Eileen O'Grady. She gave the very inspiring keynote address on resiliency and well-being for neonatal nurses. Dr. O'Grady is a nurse practitioner and wellness coach and founder of the School of Wellness, a group of practitioners dedicated to inspiring and providing practical tools to organizations and individuals to enable them to choose, practice, and promote well-being. I am excited to have Dr. O'Grady back today to give us the power to choose wellness and cultivate a culture of wellness in our own units. Let's get right into it. So I think it's safe to say that everyone is experiencing some form of burnout in their life. Um, And your keynote address today spoke to that. Um, And I feel that it was very inspiring, empowering, impactful. Um, So for anybody that wasn't able to attend the conference, um, I felt it was important to have you on NANCAST so you can talk to us and enlighten us about how we can bring wellness and resiliency into our lives. So what started you into this pathway of choosing wellness? Oh, thanks, Jill. What a great question. I mean, a lot of it was just, you know, the family that I was raised in, there was really no um, grounding of wellness at all. Like, I don't remember anyone ever exercising, taking a walk. Um, it was just, it was a lot of neglect there. And as a result, um, both my parents had a number of chronic preventable medical illnesses uh, over the years. And I remember, um, you know, just how limited they were. And, uh, and what they're able to do and how they're able to live. It really profoundly impacted them. And I think it's like a lot of us, we just sort of slowly adapt to our limitations um, and until they can't be ignored anymore. So they, they both died at a relatively long, young age. And um, my mother was on 19 prescription meds. And I just remember wanting to make have a different life, like a very different way of living so that I live in a way I try is aspirational to not host a chronic preventable illness, you know, so that... It just moves on by and doesn't land on my body. And so that's how I think of it is that we're not hosting these things, metabolic syndrome, you know, blood pressure, the weight, all the things that, that really make us ill and the 13 kinds of cancer that are related to lifestyle. So I just didn't want to live or die that way. And so that, that was very personal for me. Yeah, and I think you add that on to always putting yourself last and not focusing on self-care, and that's a huge part of wellness. And I think as nurses, we always fall as the last person and self-care kind of, and and our wellness takes a backseat. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been in nursing since I was 11. (laughs) Just (laughs) candy striping and doing EMT work. And um, and it's just not socialized into our profession very well. Like, I don't remember in any of the graduate degrees I have or undergrad where there was a real focus on, okay, so you're doing all this hard work and you're being exposed to a lot of human suffering and pain. So what are you going to do uh, to, to prevent you from going on fumes? You know, f- you know what are you going to do uh, to survive in this? And there's really no mention. And, and even, you know, throughout 
some of the programs I went through, there weren't any role models, there were no projects, there was no focus, there was really only no, no mention. And I listened to people all over the country working in health systems, and there's just very little focus on on this issue. And it's an odd thing because we're in health care, we're talking about it all day long, uh, we have credentials in it, and yet we're not often practicing it ourselves. It's just an odd dichotomy that you don't go and see an accountant who's gone bankrupt 15 times, <laughs> uh, or a divorce lawyer that's on his, you know, sixth, you know, divorce that's very contentious. Like, you know, you usually go to people that are, are experts and often practicing it themselves. And I remember being struck when I heard about some of these Silicon Valley um, CEOs, and they didn't want to see um, any healthcare provider that bench pressed less than they did. You know, that this idea that they wanted their healthcare provider to be healthier than they were. And Makes that, sense. Yeah, it's, it sort of does. And yet when, when we look at the health of the health workforce, it's, you know, we have higher suicide rates. There was a recent um, study that came out in Mayo. They, I think it was 165,000 people they surveyed. And it is a workforce in distress. I mean, on every single measure. And, and nobody's doing worse than the pharmacist, by the way. So throw some love to your pharmacist. <laughs> um, and it's really, really serious and alarming and concerning about, about the health, the mental health status, and as a result, physical health status of the health workforce. Oh, yeah. And I, I think this pandemic that that we're experiencing just blew that open and, and made it so much more visible. So if there's any, I don't want to say silver lining, but I think it's starting to bring mental wellness and mental health into the forefront. And I, hospitals are starting to try to make that a focus and an offering if, if they can some support for the healthcare team as far as um, different uh, health and wellness benefits. Um, and try to incorporate that into like the benefit package. So, you know, you have an, money towards a gym membership and, and things like that to help improve. Yeah, and, and some of the things, you know, I'm, I'm kind of collecting an idea bank of what people are doing because there's, it's, if you've seen one chief well-being officer, you've seen one. I mean, it's a new role. And it, it's certainly one that nurses could and should be taking on. Um, but, you know, just having a massage chair or, you know, a, a relaxation room doesn't really fix the work. So what, what makes the work so difficult? And so oftentimes it's resources. They're under-resourced. Uh, but it's, it's, it's also asking the nurses and the people working in these systems, what do you need? You know, and supporting them that way, uh, like fixing the work. And why do we have really highly skilled NICU nurses doing all these low-skilled things like running to the pharmacy and all these other things where's the support so that the this you know you're you're operating at the top of your license yeah you're right i mean that's the extra stuff that just adds on to your burden and your burnout because you're doing all these extraneous things that if somebody could take that away maybe things would be a little bit you know uh, less stressful um in, a, in your already stressful environment Right, right. Like scribes, you know, seem to really make people a lot more productive. And whatever we can do to lower the data entry burden and the tech burden, it's just, you know, uh, mind-numbing to think about how much data entry we're doing uh, on, the, on the regular. And that seems to be, you know, really harming people's soul. That's what seems to be very corrosive. Oh, yeah. And that takes, that takes the nurse away from the bedside, takes mm -hmm. the nurse away from the patient, the family. And that's, you know, really why we're all there, is to take care of these tiny babies and their families. And if we're getting thrown in 8 million different directions that unfortunately sometimes falls uh, to the wayside. 
Yeah, I like to think about a reimagination, you know, because yeah. I, I worked with people and, and the systems, you know, some of them are really very broken. They're just not working and they're really hard to work in. Um, and so I, I often focus on what the individual can do in these really difficult environments. But I mean, I think it would be nice for somebody to start thinking about how do we reimagine this whole operation from the ground up? And COVID has really shown us like all the numbers of problems and what could we do differently so that we're, we're serving the, the patients better on a population level, but also that people working in these systems. So for everybody that wasn't at the conference, um, we all know that you wrote a book um, called Choosing Wellness, Unconventional Wisdom for the Overwhelmed, the Discouraged, the Addicted, the Fearful, or the Stuck. And boy, can that not describe a lot of NICU nurses now, so it's a perfect <laughs> title for a book. Um, so everybody should definitely go out and read that. And one of the chapters that you mentioned um, it's called control with what we can. So I'm gonna quote it. You said, you and, you and I are the operators of our own systems. We must heal ourselves. So tell us more about what that means um, and what steps that we can take to um, you know, rediscover how we can heal ourselves. Mm. Beautiful question. Thank you. Well, I think it just has to do with the, this idea that I love is that we're the CEO of our own lives, of our whole lives, and that we get to decide the kind of life that we want to have. And and so many times we just leave it on the table for other people to, to dictate even what kind of day we're going to have or, you know, what, how much we're going to work and how much we're going to give to work. So... I like to think of, you know, thinking about all the things in this red circle that we, we can't control, you know, the pandemic, the politicians, taxes, death, the weather, ocean waves, right? And then um, the things that we can control, like what we eat, when we go to bed, how we show up, um, you know, our, our just daily habits, that's what often determines our health. And so we have to ask ourselves, how much time do we spend in that red circle where we're not, we can't control any of it? You know, and we're just, our center of gravity is there. And it took me decades, decades to kind of learn this, that, you know, we have this bias towards negativity. I think uh -huh. that's what kept us, you know, alive evolutionarily. And so now maybe that's not serving us so well. And so how do we just really sharpen up and focus on the things that we have full agency over? Just quietly, not, it's not selfishness. It's just really taking exceptional care of ourselves and thinking of that as, as a way, as a form of intelligence. And I, you're right, I think a lot of times we, we tend to ruminate on those red circle things. And, and that just puts you in a sense of negativity all the time. And I know you mentioned during the keynote about how, you know, try not to think negative and try to think positive and stop complaining. And like, I know you walk onto any unit in a hospital and all you hear are complaints mm -hmm. all the time. And even, you know, everybody's quick to tell you what you don't do right. But it's very rarely do you ever hear, oh, you're doing a great job, or this is, this is you know, um, commend you on something. And I think that would be a, a different way of thinking and would be very helpful um, to, you know, nurses. And that's what, you know, maybe that's what we can control is how we interact with our coworkers and try not to be as negative and not complain as much and try to bring out some positivity 
Yeah, well, it's 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 very draining, it's psychically draining to do that. And this this idea that you know, again, watering the weeds, and so you know, you're not watering the flowers. And so, what do you want to water in your life? And so, I think you're talking about culture change. That somehow this got in this habit of just this. We called it BMW driving. You know, bitching, moaning, and whining <laughs> incessantly. And so, uh, how do we interrupt that? Well, we interrupt that by just changing ourselves and how we show up. So, if we can just get quiet a few minutes in the morning, set an intention for the day, and know that there's going to be whirling dervishes and slings and arrows and all the things coming at you and how do you stay centered and calm through this storm and how do we get practiced and good at it and and it just starts by saying you know you did a really great job with that baby that was remarkable that was a really tough situation those parents were hard it was super impressive to watch what you did and just that's all you have to do and that's how we start to change the culture yeah. it's just noticing noticing the strengths and and that's what we do in coaching and, you know, you also talked about in the book being stuck in old patterns. And I think that's happening, you know. Um, you know, how can we overcome these old, power, old patterns that are self-limiting and leave into, lead you into false beliefs or just this negative uh, attitude? Yeah, I mean, it just, it starts with awareness. Like, I'm working really hard personally right now on becoming a non-judgmental person, which is really hard because yeah. it really helped me get through my childhood and, and survive the family I was raised in. And so now I, I absolutely want to stop doing that. It's like a, a portal for me. <laughs> so I, it's not that I've achieved it yet, but I'm really aware when I use words like, he's incompetent. Um, she's a jerk or whatever that is, instead of saying, oh, they haven't quite learned that enough, well enough yet, you know, uh -huh. so to sort of soften this language. So I think that all of us could have a growth edge, something that we're actively working on. Um, like right now, it's very intentional and, and it's aspirational and it's going to take me a long time, but I'm, I'm starting the process by being really aware is when I'm using that kind of binary language that's very value laden versus just making an observation. And I love some of these challenges like... We could challenge ourselves to not complain until noon, you know, start, start. <laughs> I don't think everybody can do that, but. <laughs> it's, it's aspirational because that's when you start to become aware, like, what are you noticing, right? Because uh -huh. we're the human beings that can notice, well, I have a job. I, I didn't lose my life in COVID, you know. Um, I, I'm really skilled at what I do. There's, there's so many things to look for, right? And it's not false optimism. So I, I, we don't want to fall into that trap, like with that stupid smiley face that you just want to smack <laughs> yes. off somebody. Uh -huh. It's not positive thinking, really. It's. It's deeper than that. It's positive emotions where they're, they're in your body, where you feel connected to other people, like, like a laughter does, or like a, another great way to change the culture and, and have more fun is to, you know, prank three people a day and, you know, do, just bring more levity to this really hard, difficult job, you know? And yeah. so, so we, we change the, the way we feel, not really by how we think. It often starts with the thought, but it goes deeper than that. Or, or if you, you know, go get a degree or get a credential in something or do a big project you've been wanting to do, that, that satisfaction we get in our body, it's, it's not in our head. Yeah, and I love intentional and aspirational. And, you know, set small goals for yourself because that's, you know, we always, we beat ourselves up if we try to say, oh, I'm going to go through the whole day without complaining. But yeah, maybe if it's till 12 o'clock, that's good. That's good for me that one day that, I, that I've done that. So, you know, small and, and to, like you said, to make it part of your well-being and not just a thought process. Because I think we tend to get really stuck in our 
our thoughts. Yeah, and then you just start to become aware, and it's like, well, how is that serving me to notice that this person on this other unit is doing something that's bothering me? Like, how is that affecting me? How is it serving me? How is it fixing anything? Because we're spending all this energy sort of looping, uh-huh. going around and around, and it's it, and we're not doing more generative, productive things with our with our thoughts. Our oh mind. yeah, definitely the looping. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. probably done it. Um, you know, I know sometimes when you go into work and you know that there's something else that you're thinking about and then you might you know react to something differently than you really should and then when you catch yourself you're like oh I don't like that I just did that and you and you acknowledge that you didn't react the way that you should have and I think that's you know the self-awareness that you talked about is really yeah and the, and the braving acronym that Brene Brown bring, brings us about um, being the kind of person that goes you know I, I'm so sorry that tone that I used with you yesterday wasn't right I just had something going on I didn't mean to you mean your, our relationship is important and you mean a lot to me exactly. that those little things those little repairs that we do along the way and really building up our relational capacity so that we're not harming other people I mean we just start there exactly right? People, it's, this is a really hard job, and, we, and what can we do to not make it any harder on anybody else? Yep. You mentioned bedrock behaviors in your keynote address today, and I felt that that was so impactful. Um, can you go into that? Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, as I think this idea that we establish some, some habits and routines that we do that we're not negotiating with anybody about, but mostly ourselves. I mean, that's the beauty of a habit. It's, it's, um, these are the things that keep me afloat and I'm not arguing. I'm not going to have to fight for them. This is what I need. End of story. So I think this idea of, of having habits, it bypasses your thinking process and it moves into automation. And so that's, that's what's the, the beauty of a habit is there's no thought. You're not fighting it. So, you know, I talk about sleep as a really important, uh, you know, grounding <laughs> that we cannot we cannot be, go around sleep deprived for sure. It affects every cell and hormone in our body. Um, but I think I think it's also it can go deeper than that about you know what we're saying yes and no to. And it's it, when I whenever I see anybody that's really overwhelmed, um, I recognize that they haven't said no in decades to anything. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it really starts there about knowing what your yes is. So like if you're a NICU nurse and you're and you're working you know three ten hour days a week or four, um, that's enough. That's your yes. That's what you do. And so all this other stuff that might be coming in the PTA and your children's school that that might have to be a hard no. I mean you 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 get to decide. But, you know, some of the research, it hasn't been uh, repeated, but I like the idea about saying, if you want to have a good life, is saying no three times to every yes. Oh, I yeah. like that. I should adopt that. <laughs> yeah. Most, most nurses, you know, because we have that archetype where we, we, we have the skills and we can do it. And I've just noticed that everybody kind of wants a piece of us because we're very practical and we can problem solve and use duct tape, whatever we have to do to get the job done. <laughs> and so people want us around and, and want us involved. And so we have to be very careful about how we use our light. And we just can't say yes to everything because if you're doing anything and you feel resentful and you're slamming doors and as it's getting close to your ass, asking yourself, and everyone listening has done this, why did I say yes, yes. to this? Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, and when, and if that's happening on the regular, you have to be, it, it's kind of lazy to say yes, actually, because you're not thinking about your future self and what you're saying no to in that moment, maybe your child, you know, who you're, you're just, you're stressed out for two weeks doing this thing that you didn't want to be doing in the first place, right? So, mm-hmm. so getting really practiced at the no is a lot easier when you have your yes. And so I had some policies when my kids were school ages is I just did not do anything on weekends. 
weeknights. It just was a disaster. It did not work. And so it was right out of the gate. And people cause, call me for money for different kinds of um, charities. And I just say, you know, we make that decision as a family every year. And so it's a no. We, we make it sitting down every December as a group. And so everything else is a no. And I just eliminate all that decision fatigue and pressure because I have policies. And that, that can really, really help us to say no, serve up the no regularly. Yeah. And I, I like the decision fatigue mixed in with your saying no, because I think we want to make everybody happy. And it's easier to, it's easier to say yes than no, right? So, in the moment it is. In the moment, yes. Yeah. Yes. And because you don't want to let anybody down. Um, but, you know, you're, you're right. And I love that to, to just have policies and mm -hmm. with yourself that I, I can't add that on my plate. I'm, I'm almost empty and I, there's, I have nothing left to give. But, but even not even getting to that point, like even if it's overtime, it's like, oh, Wednesday I have a spin class I go to. I, I do yoga that night. It's a no. So it, it doesn't have to be I'm on the raggedy edge and on fumes. <laughs> <laughs> it can just be this is, what, this is how I live my life is that I don't get to even that point. Yeah, that, I mean, you're right. You're right. You shouldn't get to the point yeah. where you're on the raggedy edge <laughs> and you have to say no because you can't, you know. But I, that's, unfortunately, I think that's where some people are. So we need to learn from you so we don't yeah. get to that point um, where we are on that edge. And, you know, one more thing we add is just going to tip us. Tip yeah, and us I, think, I, I think we... Um this human condition, I don't know if it's a, some kind of you know, malware somewhere in us, but the idea that we have to be in so much pain to change. I mean, at least for me, it's just been agony. Mm -hmm. You know, if something is absolutely not working, the red flag has been waved long ago and the, my claws are on it and I'm <laughs> still trying to hang on. So, so what can we do to release a little earlier? And that's, the, I think, what happens as we get older and wiser is we let go a lot. And you talk to you know, any woman over a certain age and they, 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 they sort of understand this concept and they care less about you know what other people think we're not trying to be selfish or take away or trample on anybody it's just that our needs we recognize in order to be a full functioning human being we have to nourish ourselves because we can't outsource it to anybody and I like to think of us living a resentment free life so that 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 resentment is is actually in the category of envy because I just have this picture of this client I had and she said she was vacuuming the, the carpet working full time and her two teenage sons were sitting on the couch playing video games and they wouldn't lift their feet for her to vacuum. They had been home all day and she just worked, you know, and I realized like this is like a resentment waiting to happen is that uh -huh. you have these able-bodied adults not helping out and that has to be fixed because when we feel resentful, that's often when we start tumming, turning to numbing agents. Um, you know, yes. <laughs> we start uh -huh. reaching for substances uh -huh. yep. to blot this terrible feeling out. So to me, noticing when the resentment sets in and, and turning it around, and usually there's some boundary I have to set. So when I start to feel resentful, it's usually something I'm doing, I'm overdoing in a relationship. I'm doing too much. I'm over-delivering. Something is going on with me that I need to change. It's my problem to solve. Yeah, not theirs. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. Yeah. Now, how do I form these habits to improve my wellness? Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, it starts with like a real desire. Like you can't really do it unless it's something that you really want to go after. And then I, I, I just think it starts with making a decision that, you know, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to learn to be less reactive at work. And I want to show up and be a kind person. Whatever the thing is, we make a decision first. Like I've made this decision about judging and not judging. So I'm, I'm far away from being there, but I've started the process because I'm super aware of when I'm doing it now. That's huge, right? 
Mm-hmm. So making that decision. Um, and then we, we know all of these things, being really specific about it, um, that I notice when I'm not using judging language, I, I feel more open-hearted and approachable. Um, and so it starts with that. And then, you know, um, what's the low-hanging fruit? And, and, you know, what's the, the easiest, simplest thing you could do and that you could live with? You know, so it might be drinking more water, whatever the thing is, if you want to lose weight. That's a, that's a really good example. So um, I usually ask people, um, so tell me why you're overweight. And, you know, it seems like, you know, silly question. Well, I eat too much. Well, no, there's usually like one or two things that you're doing on the regular that's causing that. It's not, it's not everything. There's, you know, nighttime eating, emotional eating. There's something going on, but it's one or two things. It's not the whole thing. <laughs> so finding out, you know, where are the pain points? What, what is the problem? What's causing this? And then going after that. Like, okay, so I'm going to work on start coming up with a process, a plan to uh, eliminate nighttime eating, for example, mindless eating. So we start with these t- noticing what, what the problem is, and then we have to practice over and over again. And I Think about a toddler learning how to walk. Like we, we don't just say, oh, you fell down. You're a loser. Yeah. You'll never walk again, <laughs> right? Like it's always like very encouraging. Okay, get up. Keep trying. Keep trying. And that's, that's how we want to talk to ourselves. So the self-talk, making sure it's kind and compassionate. And then we talk about habit stacking. So if you're already doing something, um, like if you want to start meditation and you, you layer it on top of just laying in bed in the morning before you fling the covers off, just getting quiet and just say, I'm going to get quiet and set an attention for the day and listen to my body, just check in so that you stack it on top of something you're already doing. And then 30-day challenges. So if you want to give up sugar, just 30 days and see how that goes. You know, giving up junk food, uh, carry out, uh, fast food, whatever it is. So you know, that the science is all over the place on how long it takes to establish a habit. It's not re- repeatable. It's anywhere from two days to 365 plus. <laughs> so, um, so, so the idea is that we, we start to try and we fail and we try and we try and we try again. So the main thing is when we look at like um, people that have lost a lot of weight, for example, over uh, like 100 pounds and they've kept it off for five years, they, there's some practices that, that they do. And that is um, when they go off, they get right back on. So it's not like, oh, I ruined it. I can't do it. I'll, I'll try next month. You know, it's the next meal, the next thing, the next cigarette, you're right back on. So that we sort of expect failure and, 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 and that self-compassion to change over time is, is essential. Um, and accountability partners really help, right? And oh, yeah. um, you know, sometimes I have people write out like a year from now, writing your best future self. I mean, that, that's actually one of the first things we would do is a year from now, everything went amazingly well. You achieve your goal, write down everything that's happening, um, you know, the, your best life and what you're doing really specifically. And that's really helpful to get that vision for yourself. And that helps you set up a plan to form the habits and you figure out the ones that, like you said, the low-lying fruits and the ones that you can obtain, um, and then work your way up. Yeah, like so. I wrote my obit because that's really that's really long planning. Where I'm a hundred, and um, I, uh, I, 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 I I die in my sleep, which is I <laughs> how I want to go at home. My kids are in their sixties. I, I I made up quotes for them in, in the obituary. I made everything up. It's all fantasy writing, but what it does is it's starting to come true around the edges, and it helps me say no to so many things that come in that are not aligned with that. So I, I think more more that's that's the real thing is that this is what I want. It's this. And so going after like creating your own North Star and, and having some direction that you're going in so that all the stuff that's not aligned, we say no to. Oh, and that's going to help all of us learn how to say no. No. 
regularly. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And a, a good practice would be to just, you know, say no three times this week to people and just start practicing, like just getting better at it, like any skill, just get better at it and say it really kindly with a nice tone. You know, I'm honored you asked and, you know, I'm doing this thing right now. So when you give them your yes, you can serve up your no a lot easier. Yes. You know? Yes. And you, like you said in the beginning, you're, be your own CEO and yes. you, you set your path. And if something doesn't going to help you get to that path, then, you know, you might have to say no. Or- yeah. A really effective CEO doesn't get side railed by a, an obnoxious coworker that with a snarky comment or um, there's some, they don't spend hours scrolling. Uh-huh. Um, they they kind of get they get to their their important things that may not have a time limit on them, but they they get to their important tasks. Yeah, like a, a lot of us get stuck looping, and mm-hmm. we don't get to those important tasks. Yeah, because we're draining all our energy, uh-huh. we're scattering our energy on things yes. that are not productive. They're low value, and they don't really nourish us. So I I always think of scrolling as like um, it's like junk food or, or like fast food. It feels really good in the moment, uh-huh. and then afterwards <laughs> you just think, oh, uh, that's not a good why feeling. Why did I eat that? <laughs> Uh-huh. I just spent an hour and it's like, I'm not nourished. I, I don't, you know, so this idea of, of being really, you know, one of the bedrock behaviors I think is having a screen and literature policy so that we're not just letting some editor decide what we're doing, but we're curating very, very carefully what we're letting in, uh, really nourishing conversations. And I was just listening this morning to my new favorite podcast. It's five minutes long and it's called My Unsung Hero. And it's just about these strangers that do these incredibly kind things to people. And the, the people call up and they leave a recording, tell the story. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, just blink back tears when you hear this. Aww. It's so beautiful, right? So like going after content like that, where the world is good, that people generally are good and kind. And that when you're working in a NICU, you're just seeing people at their worst and, and pe- people behaving horribly, blaming themselves. There's all these things going on underneath, you know, that iceberg. And so we have to be reminded that the world is, is generally a good and safe place and kind. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea to listen to something that puts you in a good mindset for your day. And it's not like you're turning on the news and seeing all the horrible things that are happening in this world. Um, or even just going on social media and comparing your lives with all of your other friends or influencers' lives. Because that's just not putting you in that mindset to not, not following your path. Yeah. Someone else's path. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else's like highly polished, photoshopped path. Yeah. So we mentioned a few times about um, how stressful the NICU is and the healthcare environment in general. And then we talk about how, you know, there's a lot of people that are complaining and people that are very stressed and burned out. And that causes people to act different um, and maybe not so kind. How do we move through all of this with grace and calmness? That's such a beautiful question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's been a definite uptick in incivility everywhere you go, um, not just in healthcare, and certainly in healthcare, hearing terrible stories of nurses getting slapped and treated the disrespect for expertise. It's it's really, really been difficult. So, you know, I believe that our job is to is to bring calm and kindness to our our work, in addition to all the technical skill. And so, I think we have to learn how to have the whirling dervishes and the and the swirling and you know, people that are causing disruption, pot stirrers all around us and just not be reactive to it. Like it's no different than a family system in many ways. When you know your uncle is coming and is going to be obnoxious, you can prepare yourself and say, I'm not going to, that's just the way he is. I'm not going to react to him. 
And so the same skill applies here is that, you know, we just can't be reacting to every kind of rude comment or, or not helpful behavior. It, it, what we have domain over is how we show up. And it's a really good idea to, you know, say, you know, to start a shift and say, hey, if you need any help, let me know. I'm here. I'd, you know, you know, please let me know I'm available. Even if you're not, <laughs> it's just the offer, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, is really, really helpful that we're in this together to be, uh, to just be, to be calm. And so the way to do that is to begin, we're learning a lot about meditation practice because what we're doing is we're learning to quiet our minds, that monkey mind. And how do we get quiet and get still and practice so that when the slings and arrows come, we have some skill on board and we're not just going off and reacting and meeting that person where they are. So I really like this um, Institute for Peace Literacy where they, they're really trying to teach how do we teach peace and de-escalate rather than matching somebody where they are. Somebody is having something going on in their life. We can't see it. We don't know what it is. But how do we practice kindness and stay calm in, in a really um, uncalm environment. It takes practice. We have to like, learn how, and that, that's another great growth edge for all of us, and for me for sure, learning how to just stay calm and, and not get wrapped around the axle and not turning that over to anybody else. Like, I don't want my mood to be affected by other people's actions. And so it's, it's a bit of a superpower yeah. to be able to stay calm. You know, you're at a register and you see this altercation go from zero to 100 in two seconds. And you realize these people are on, on the raggedy edge. Oh. They're, they're on a tripwire, right? And I, I don't want to live that way. I want to live in a way where I can bring peace and calm to any situation. So I think it takes practice like anything else. Like I'm going to learn to quiet my mind and have people say rude things, insulting things, and not react to it. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt you, but we don't have to react to it. So this is why the whole point of the book is you get to choose. You get to choose wellness. You get to choose what you react to. And, and you can't have 45 things that you're going to die on your sword over. You can have three or four. You know, <laughs> it can't be everything in this world. You have to just be really selective. And that when you're fed and watered and rested and you show up, like lots of good, great things can happen from that. But when we show up on fumes, it's a losing game. Oh, yeah. And you're not going to be able to re hold back your reactions to those people with, that are making nasty comments to you because you're on edge. So, of course, you're going to respond to that toxic environment. Um, so you're right. You need to choose that path for you that you and stay on it. Um, and it does take work, like you said. I mean, we all need, to, but we, I think we need to be aware of it and self-aware and be able to set those habits, like you mentioned earlier, and the bedrock foundation in motion. Yeah, and, and I think, too, like this culture of wellness, I, I really m mostly talk about the individual, but I speak to nurse practitioners all over this country, and there's some real harm going on in some of these institutions where people are feeling exploited and not cared for, and, and we can actually start, first of all, getting more nurses in the C-suite, you know, like for sure, right? Uh -huh. That has to happen. Um, but we can just start wherever we are to start a culture of wellness by, you know, expressing gratitude. You know, I really love the way you handled that situation situation yesterday. I loved how you, you spoke up for us to our boss or whatever it was. And just notice the stuff that's brave and kind um, and just start start focusing on that. Because like I said, like we're the only species on the planet that can direct our attention to anything that we want. We don't know if there's any other species that can do that. And so when we use it powerfully, it can be quite effective, even just changing our own team from within. 
Yeah. Where we, we create team norms. What do we want to do about this incivil, incivil behavior we're having with, with parents of these babies? How do we want to handle it as a team? Let's come up with some ideas. And all be on the same page. Yes. Uh-huh. And support each other. Like create a culture of wellness so you don't feel like you're just alone in this, you know, very hard job. And I feel like sometimes as nurses, especially if they don't feel that the leadership is behind them, it's mm-hmm. really hard to create that change and and build that wellness on your unit because sometimes you know they may side with the parents and you know it's we're always hearing what we're doing wrong as a a nurse we don't get any positive uh, reinforcement or any positivity or any thoughts of our wellness you throw us a pizza to say thank you but I really would have I would enjoy an email hey you know that was a great job the team did such short shafts yeah the other night. Right, right. And maybe it just starts with um, it just it, demonstrating it ourselves. Like if we have, to, if you have a good boss, you say, you know, because I, I, when we do workshops, we do the best boss exercise. Who was the best boss you ever had and what did they do? And they, they, they definitely noticed the good stuff, right? They really appreciated you and it's verbal, right? So we can just start doing that ourselves, even going up to our boss and just say, you know, I really like how you, stu- you stuck your neck out for us. I appreciate it. So it goes both ways. Yeah. So we can just start with ourselves. There's no victim here. (laughs) So are there any key takeaway messages or parting words that you want NICU nurses or APRNs or anyone that's listening to take home with them? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I think that um, I think we all have uh, choices in this. That that it's not just the the cards that were handed. I mean, the cards that were handed were um, those little babies that you take care of that are happy and they don't overeat and they don't numb out. Uh, th- those are the cards we were handed. So um, we get to make a choice every day. And my big idea is that we in healthcare ought to have a better health status than the rest of the population. And what would, it, what would that look like if we did, if we were act- actually practicing the things that we know to do? And, you know, I, I always just like to end with, you know, where there's no gardener, there's no garden. That this having a flourishing and a beautiful life doesn't often spring spont- spontaneously. It can be cultivated and we can build it by eliminating some of these toxic forces, not being reactive. And if you are in a toxic work environment, it's really affecting your health, you can leave. There are other places to work. You know, let let your feet do the talking here. If, if you're getting physically ill from the job or from your boss, it might be a good time to leave. That's all. So you, you have a choice. Like none of us are stuck. None of us are being held at knife point um, to do any of these practices. And that, you know, uh, we can we can form habits. It, we can solve any problem by having a system. That any problem that you have, we can create a system around it so that you can work your way out of that. And I'm, I'm convinced of that because I did it myself. <laughs> so we know it works, everybody. Yeah. But, but thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope everybody feels as empowered and you know um, impacted by this podcast. And they go read the book and, and bring on these changes. Thank you so much, Jill. So fun to be here. Thank you. If you want to continue working on your wellness, make sure you pick up Eileen O'Grady's book, Choosing Wellness, Unconventional Wisdom for the Overwhelmed, the Discouraged, the Addicted, the Fearful, or the Stuck. Make sure you never miss an episode of NANCAST by subscribing now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks for your support and letting us into your ears. Have a great day.